What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes. On today's episode, we'll be talking about our undrafted rookie uh, that we signed in Justin Lewis, ranking third in Bleacher Report's undrafted rookies list. But for the main part of the episode, we'll be talking and I'll be asking the question, is the front office, ownership, or our own expectations to blame when it comes to the Bulls Nation's discontent generally with the Chicago Bulls offseason? We'll get into all that and more on today's Chicago Bulls Central. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, thank you for joining us. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. Now, with that being said, um, first, I just want to jump off uh, and start this episode by talking about uh, Justin Lewis, right? Justin Lewis is a player that I think a lot of Bulls fans are excited about. They understand uh, what the excitement level that he brings if he ends up working out. Justin Lewis is a pick uh, that we could look at in a couple of years and say, hey, AK did it again with this guy in Justin Lewis. He has heart. He has determination. We heard good things about him, Dalen Terry, everybody down at Summer League right now, which you should be hearing good things about players right now at this point in Summer League. The Bulls do play their first Summer League game tomorrow, so we'll be able to take a look and how these players uh, look ourselves, right? right and, and rather than hear, you know, the the not really the fluff pieces or anything like that, but we'll get to step away um, from from just hearing the coaches and stuff talk about it. And we'll get to see some of this for ourselves and see what we have in some of these younger players. But Justin Lewis ranking third um, in Bleacher Report's list of un, undrafted rookies. In that list, I do want to also mention, you know, Kofi Coburn was somewhere towards the end of the list, but we've seen how his summer league has gone so far in two games. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and read off the top five. We got Gene Matero, New York Knicks signing there. Michael Foster Jr. with the Philadelphia 76ers. Our own Justin Lewis uh, with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Darian Sebron with the New Orleans Pelicans. And Travion Williams with the Boston Celtics. Now, we're going to go to number three because that's who we're here to talk about. We already know. You guys should know the intangibles and the measurables from Justin Lewis at this point in time. 235 pounds, 7'2", wingspan, 6'7", 6'8". He could play that wing, could play some small ball four, maybe even some small ball five in some lineups as well. And one of the things that I've said, right, and we'll segue into this as well into the next segment, but Justin Lewis is a pick that, yeah, it makes sense in what AK and Eversley have done here so far. You get the wingspan. We know AK rubs his nipples over long wingspans, and that's fine, right? That's fine. That's the type of player that he has, uh, that he likes. But it's his offensive skill set. He is kind of turnover prone in things that we've seen so far. But having that, being able to shoot the ball at three, being able to shoot the ball at mid-range, having some back-to-the-basket game. I'm not saying he doesn't have, like, true, legit, old-school post moves, but he does have a back-to-the-basket game that he can and tries to use in the post. He has a spin move that he uses very well that you'll see in a lot of highlights for him as well. And that's just things, at the end of the day, like, some of the some people comparing him to Jay Crowder, somebody like him, uh, phys- physically and stuff, and what Jay Crowder was able to give to the NBA for so long. He's an active defender, not necessarily the best on off the ball defense, but he's a very active, active and engaged defender, which we could see him turn into a heck of a defender on the NBA level, especially with that wingspan. Listen, Justin Lewis ranking here makes sense, and the Bulls, you know, it, it, you kind of even can bring that around so much more so when you think about the fact that the Bulls did pass up on EJ Liddell. It's something that a lot of Bulls fans. Me included, wanted to see the Bulls go with. But if you got a player who's very similar, maybe not the shot blocking and, 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 and you know, some of the other, he's not the passer also that EJ Liddell is, but brings a lot of that same skill set for just being an undrafted, undrafted rookie free agent. 
Uh, the Bulls may have gotten a steal here, but we'll see very shortly. Everything is going to be answered shortly when it comes to the Chicago Bulls because this Summer League team is right around the way. And you guys know, I already told you, I will be covering the Summer League games. We'll be getting post games, maybe not live, right? But you will be getting post game show, uh, post games with the Summer League games just because I'm covering Summer League like I would a regular season game because of how many questions and how many pieces that could be on the big parts of what this Bulls team does next season. And Marco Samanovic, Dalen Terry for sure, and we'll see what happens with Justin Lewis. Um, being on that team and what that could mean. So let me know what you guys think down below on Justin Lewis's ranking in Bleacher Report's uh, undrafted free agents list, um, undrafted rookies list. Drafted rookie. Yes, that's the thing. Uh, but with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the main part of today's episode. And this is something that I want to talk about, right? While we're sitting here, we're still, you know, thinking about a lot of things that the Bulls could, couldn't do. The trade player exception expired. Uh, so it doesn't look like the Bulls use it. I believe it expired midnight last night. May expire midnight tonight. I know uh, today was the day. Thursday was the day that it expired. So we'll see if they have to the end of the day to use it or not. But either way, the Bulls aren't likely using it. There was a lot of discontent that started with the draft, right? A lot of Bulls uh, Bulls fans, uh, me, myself included, I hold myself accountable to it as well, had a focus on EJ Liddell, focused on players like Nikola Jovic, focused on players like hoping Mark Williams was going to slide to us and things like that. And when those things didn't happen, it it was met with, the proper amount of, you know, hey, what's going on here? What questions, um, you know, concern a little bit in some cases. So the thing that I want to present here is who's more to blame for the way that the Bulls offseason is viewed, right? We'll see how it ends up being. Nobody can say how it's going to end up for sure until we get in the game, get to playing games and the season happens. But as it stands right now, so much discontent, so much unhappiness with necessarily thinking that the Bulls are either being cheap, lazy, whatever else with this offseason, how much of it is on the front office ownership and us as fans and us getting our expectations up? First thing, the front office. Let's address the front office, right? The front office really set a precedent, I think, last season with Bulls fans thinking, hey, we're trying to compete. We made moves to compete. This is what it's going to be like every season for us to compete, right? When you really look at it, the Bulls' first offseason, right, the same offseason that they drafted Patrick Williams, they didn't make a lot of moves in that season. I think what our only signing at that point was Garrett Temple, right, and kind of moved it forward. And, yes, in the middle of that season, making trades for for the uh, to tra- get rid of the young players that they didn't see the future for on this team. But outside of that, that offseason wasn't a very active offseason. Now, the front office, did they do their due diligence, right? That's the question here. And, again, this this video is to lay out everything. You guys can make your own determination. I'm not the judge, jury, and ed- executioner on it. But looking at the front office, looking at other deals that were that were given out that the Bulls could have competed in. We talked about Thomas Bryant yesterday. The Caleb Martin deal is another swingman that the Bulls could have po- possibly won after. Looking at what he signed for three years, $20 million, around what the Bulls could have afforded using some of that, some, some Bulls fans now at 6'5", how much of a swingman he is. He does have a long wingspan, which, again, is AK's thing. But with that being said, the front office didn't get players like Mo Bamba, didn't go after Mitchell Robinson, didn't go after some of the bigger trades and like a Rudy Gobert trade, seeming like maybe Patrick Williams was was the hang-up there if they were ever really in contention for that. That goes back to last season, right, when people wanted us to trade for Miles Turner, things like that. How much of this does fall in the front office for just not going out and getting their guys? The Nilo Gallinari is one of the ones that I, I, I will lay on this, right? I will say that that may be a front office thing. Now, Danilo did decide on the Boston Celtics, but I totally think that the Bulls would have probably used more of their mid-level exception on a big if they didn't think that they were going to get Danilo Gallinari. I do think that they were saving some of that mid-level to give to Danilo Gallinari. That, and then we ended up re-signing Derrick Jones Jr. using our bird rights rather than the mid-level exception. 
And maybe some more of that mid-level exception could have been used to go after one of the bigger names, the Isaiah Hartensteins, the uh, the the Mitchell Robinson. Nah, Mitchell Robinson wouldn't fit under that, but um, the Mo Bambas who would have taken the full mid-level exception, things like that. How much of this is on the front office? Um, do we think that the front office wasn't being aggressive enough at some free agents that we should have taken a look at? A lot of deals that were given out were deals that the Bulls could have potentially given. Now, did the front office zero in on their guy? Is that one of the things that we can we can maybe point towards this front office. Do they zero in on somebody they want? Did they decide on Andre Drummond way before the offseason officially started? And then they went ahead and make that decision to go that route with it and go Andre Drummond regardless of anything else. That, if that is true, then yes, a lot of that does rest on the front office. Ownership as well. Let's talk about ownership. This lot has been talking about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf being cheap, not wanting to pay the luxury tax, avoiding that, and what that really looks like for the Bulls' future. Now, that is a huge question. I think that we're going to always ask, until the Bulls go into the luxury tax, that willingness to do that, how much does that hold us back, right? And even front office's mindset and stating of, hey, we're willing to pay the luxury tax for a championship team. I've already talked about it very heavily. Teams that usually avoid the luxury tax to become a championship team are teams that have drafted very well and they take advantage of those players being on controllable contracts while exceeding maybe their draft stock and just just drafting teams very well. Most of the time, those are teams that were built from within. The Bulls don't have that, that opportunity. Now, I also do understand the mindset of, hey, we're not about to overpay for a bunch of free agents just to say that we were active. We're not about to overpay and spend and have a huge luxury tax bill just to be competitive in the East. Now, we will pay the luxury tax to keep a team together that's close to that's close to competing for a title. But let's, hey, let's not pay it and, and avoid it. But how much is, is that do we have to place on ownership? Personally, I have to place a big, a big chunk on that on, on ownership. And while I do, again, understanding and agreeing are different things. I understand the front office. Hell, if it was my money, would I want to spend a whole bunch of money on a team that's going to be a first round exit? No. But again, Looking at a team that was a good a playoff team that was a first round exit, would then I spend the money to get that team to the next level? Would I be willing to go into the luxury tax to get into the next level? Especially considering when you look at we got expiring contracts in Nikola Vucevic next season, we got another one in Demar Derozan, big time contracts coming off the books in the next two years. Yeah, got extensions coming up as well in Patrick Williams and Io DeSumo in those years as well. But if the Bulls had went into the luxury tax and let's say halfway through the season it wasn't working. Could the Bulls have gotten back under the luxury tax? And yes, science points. Yeah, they probably could have gotten back under the luxury tax. So a lot of this does have to fall on ownership as well. And that inability, that clear focus. Now, with that being said, too, you have to have guys available on the market that clearly make your team better, that make it worth to go into the luxury tax. I look at at Mo Bamba. Good player. Really good player. A player that I would love to have on this team. Now, again, Mo Bamba wouldn't have necessarily sent us into the luxury tax. It would have hard capped us. Um, if we gave him that full mid-level exception, but I'm not looking at Mo Bamba as a player that says, hey, this he's worth going into the luxury. He definitely helps improve the team as well as Isaiah Hartenstein, but they don't necessarily make the team hugely better. It goes to fixing a, a hole for sure, right? It goes to fixing a lot of that, but it doesn't necessarily put us now where we can say, hey, we moved from first round exit to, to Eastern Conference, at least championship contender. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't do that for even an ECF. So with that said, I can understand those. But looking at looking at things like that Rudy Gobert deal, right? Would that deal have been something that's worth going into the luxury tax for? I probably would have said yes. I would have looked at it and probably and said yes to me, even though I, I still have some issues with the fit there. But I can definitely understand some of the mindset of, of uh, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily make the bullshit. And I, that's something that I said on the, on, the, on the episode that I dropped on it. 
it did not make make the Bulls a championship contender. I think it made it as an Eastern Conference Finals contender, but not necessarily a surefire championship contender. Look at some of the other players out there who got deals. You know, some some Bulls fans uh, talked about, uh, we're not going to talk about him, uh, but uh, like a Chris Boucher, another deal that the Bulls could have went after. Doesn't necessarily make the Bulls a championship contender. Um, so, you know, looking at that, those type of things and what we specifically needed. Now, uh, DeAndre Ayton, uh, uh, Rudy Gobert, those are deals that I look at as a fan. Again, not somebody who's just a fan of the game and wants to see my team do the best that they can. Those are deals that if they went down, if those trades were available, those are players that are maybe worth t- trying to see if that can take the Bulls to the next level or extend our window some. But with that being said, I can understand to a degree owners reluctance right now again this doesn't excuse it this doesn't mean i agree but i can understand it some but let's talk about our own expectations as fans and this is what i want to spend a lot of time on or probably the biggest chunk of this segment on we got to stop as fans allowing our expectations to make us be tunnel vision have tunnel vision and by that i mean is that so many bulls fans like i said i'm holding myself with this as well zeroed in on players like ej liddell and the or, or nikola Jovich. Or Mark Williams, or Jalen Duran, who, you know, he almost fell to us, or Atari Eason, um, Walker Kessler. Some because we zero in on these players that the moment anybody's name other than those players got called, we immediately went into what are the Bulls doing? This is an incorrect decision. We got so many, I think what is his name, CJ? It's somebody in the comments that literally every video since then he just talks about the fact of why the Bulls didn't draft EJ Liddell, right? And there are a lot of fans that are of that mindset that we have zeroed in so big on players that we thought that the Bulls should have went after that the moment it's anything else than that, we only face it with disappointment. Not realizing that every player that's drafted in the NBA draft is all about potential. They saw potential in this kid, Daylon Terry. Whether you heard the name, I heard the name, you were familiar with the player, you saw him play in college or not. The Bulls went and they took a shot at somebody who they think is possibly going to be the best player available with where they drafted. And there are a lot of other pundits that agree with that, saying that Daylon Terry may be the biggest steal of the draft. But Bulls fans and our expectations, the 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 um the entitlement we have as a fan base and this is all this isn't just bulls nation this is fan bases of every single professional team we have a level of entitlement that we think to 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 certain things that we think our team should do that in our eyes means that they're doing the best that they can go back to that to free agency once isaiah hartenstein mo bamba's contracts chris brucher's contracts once these contracts were happened and people saw, hey, the Bulls could have technically offered this. It automatically went to dis. It doesn't matter who the Bulls would have signed at that point or how they fit on this team. It was auto- automatic discontent and unhappiness, right? And sometimes we have to let the front office cook. We have to let them cook because we don't know we see the vision. Nobody can say, any Bulls fan that can say that they saw Jimmy Butler turning into the player that he turned into is lying to you. Anybody who says that they saw Io DeSumo having as big of a role as he did, I can see people saying, hey, no, this Io kid got, got a lot of potential. This Io kid, he may be well, but having the role that he did, playing as big of a part in the Bulls' success as he did last season is lying to you. Sometimes we have to allow the front office to wow us. We have to move our own expectations out of the way to, to be able to let this team cook. Let it develop into what it's going to develop into. The same thing goes with fans' expectations in Patrick Williams, right? Fans have this expectation because Patrick Williams was the number four overall pick, and this front office fully believes in him that he needs to be averaging 20 and 10 today. And the kid is 20 years old. 
Let him cook. Let him develop. As a fan base, I get it. Yes, we're passionate. We love it. Hell, I have a whole now business built off covering this team that I love with all my heart. But sometimes even as doing that, I have to allow and check my expectations and not allow that to cloud my judgment or to get me too far up or too far down. Expectations can be the death of everything. And this is not to say don't have expectations, right? But check those expectations. Keep those expectations realistic. Just because the Bulls didn't draft or sign the players that we think that they should have doesn't mean that this is not going to be a successful offseason or it's not going to help add anything to the team or the team is going to be stagnant. And we and we we start looking at those things in a vacuum and a tunnel, right? We forget about the health. We don't talk about the health anymore. We don't talk about the fact that two out of our five starters played only a combined 50 games and 35 of those games coming from just one player. Another one of those starters only played 15 games this season. We have to allow and to uh, and to let this team cook and not let our expectations get the best of us as a fan base, right? Check those expectations. Yes, have players that you would love to see on the Chicago Bulls team. I do. I have a list of them, which I may drop a video on on the membership side, by the way. Memberships are available. We're releasing our first membership video this weekend. But with that being said, I have a list of players I would love to see and I think the Bulls should go after right now that they should trade Kobe White, the Portland pick. I have a whole set of permutations and possible scenarios that are in my head any given time, every day. But I can't let those expectations and that desire and that want make me be be down on players that haven't given us a chance to show anything yet. AK is not perfect. AK and Acme are not perfect. They have not made the 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 the, the grade A perfect decisions with everything that they've done, right? Including another first round pick in that in that magic deal to get Vooch. That's one of the things I don't think that they should have did. I don't agree with it. But it is what it is, right? We got to stop letting our expectations get so much the better of us that we are now not able to objectively. And it swings, right? That's the funny thing about it. It swings so much. If Dalen Terry has an amazing summer league, it's going to swing so fast in Bulls Nation. If Justin Lewis comes in and in and, and year one, year two, is a better player than EJ Liddell, all those people saying that the Bulls are stupid for not drafting EJ Liddell are going to be real quiet and be wearing Justin Lewis jersey. We have to check our expectations and let this front office cook. What the, how much is this team going to improve next season? That story is, has not been written yet. But we have to allow that story to be written and objectively review it, both whether it's good or bad, and talk about it in a light. But even with that being said, if Andre Drummond is ends up having a, a worse statistical season than Mo Bamba, it doesn't mean that his impact on the Bulls is less than. We got to check those expectations sometimes. But let me know what you guys think about everything down below. Sound off. This is just more thoughtful video or something that I just want to talk about. Something I've just been noticing around the Bulls community is just such the discontent, such the... I, I, I told you, sir, they would have, could have, should have, would have, should have done this. Why Patrick Williams? Why this? Why didn't we sign this guy? Why didn't we draft this guy? The Bulls are stupid for this. Oh, you guys are Acme apologists. All this shit. And let's just let it play out. And let's see what it ends up turning into. If you want to follow the show, make sure you do so at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and a voicemail to be played on our Saturday mailbag episodes, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. Thank you so much for tuning in and making Chicago Bulls Central what it is. We're the fastest growing Chicago Bulls focused YouTube channel in the last year on the platform, and that is because of you guys. I thank you guys so much, and like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace. And see red, people. See red. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.